needed a quick mic break though <laughs> how's everybody doing uh what's good what's going on let's get let's get right to the point you know we play around a little bit too much uh welcome to the irk and jerk podcast episode number 32 my brother mm-hmm. uh number 30 to the t- 32 to the two um as always, uh, we love and appreciate each and every uh, person, the faithful 12, um, who, uh, you know, check in with us, um, give us the feedback, let us know what we're doing, uh, good, bad, and indifferent. Um, uh, shout out to my main man, Eddie, of course, as uh, always, and uh, one of the texts in my dialysis, who was always um, really great with the feedback, who comes through. Um, yanked me to the side and said, man, that last pod y'all did, yeah, that was the best one yet, man. It had me rolling in stitches, doc. Man, I was crying, man. What you do? He's tearing this place up. And I I, I appreciate that, man. You oh, because was he there you know? when you when you going No, out? he was on he was on vacation. Uh, he was on vacation. So he was out. Because I said, I, I was like, low key, I, I realized he wasn't there. Um, for those who don't, who didn't listen to the last podcast, just, just go check it out. I had a, I had a quick episode at my uh, dialysis center last week and, uh, one of my guys, Eddie, the tech was on vacation. So he heard about it, uh, on the podcast. He didn't even hear about it until he, before he got back from vacation. So he was in the car like, ah, what happened? Oh, he was like, oh, he's tearing this place up. So, so hold um, on. I yeah, didn't put one and two together. So, so Eddie, no Dr. Hug and Kiss. Oh yeah, he knew what it was. He said, "He said I don't even need the names, Doc." He said, "He said I don't even need the names. I already know what it is." I said, "I said because you know what's up." He knew what. Look, don't get me started. Oh, and to add to that story, for those of you who heard that story last week, um, is a this this ain't gonna be how it's my week, but just quiet as is kept as I'm talking to Eddie. Guess who walks in on the normal doctor schedule on a Tuesday? Doctor probably at eleven a.m. Doctor Doctor Goofball hugging kiss Ali Boombaye Haitian Bation. I love the Sue Young's ass doctor himself. Beat his motherfucking ass. I'm be honest with you. When I seen him, Eddie was just like, "Hey, be cool." I said, "Ah, beat that, beat that." I ass. can't wait to get that kidney. T- it's gonna turn. It's gonna be like Popeye <coughs> Pop and the spinach. And then we gonna put that kidney. It's like bam, 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 He knew exact when he came in. He knew to go left because so. This is something I understand. He understands, but just visually, uh, in dialysis every Tuesday. All the that's when most of the patients see their doctors in general. So you see you see like three to four doctors. It's like twenty six of us, right? But for the last four months, his ass been AWOL. Every other doctor being there Tuesday morning, right? That's when you conduct your business. Mm-hmm. You talk to your dietitian, you talk to your social worker, you talk to your doctor. All three of them. Everybody come by. You know the drill. But his ass gotta show up at eleven AM. While the, while the Wolverine's playing, <laughs> messing up my Saturday. 
I'm trying to watch JJ uh, hand off the pill because he ain't passing to me. Shut up. I had to watch JJ, and then here he come tapping me on the, on the ankle. Hey, how you doing? Get your ass out of here. It's a Saturday. Didn't nobody, we conduct business on a Tuesday, brother. Now you want to show up on a Tuesday like with the rest of the doctors. Because football season didn't hurt. I didn't see. He was probably watching uh, whatever Haitian team we got. He was watching his Haitian. <laughs> you he ate. watching his Haitian soccer team. The boom, the, the fighting boom by Let me get a fight. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, uh, so uh, flip a coin, flip a coin, brother. Uh, did, did I tell everybody to uh, go rate, like, and subscribe. Yeah, go do that on your favorite listening platforms. If I probably didn't say it already. Uh, that being said, we have to always get the business out the way. The business of the business. Um, you want to flip a coin and how's your week, or are you fighting to get to it, no, brother? No, go you ahead, let me go know. Because um, I feel like I got a little. Yeah, that's you know that's what? more important than mine. I did, is it? Okay, so here, here we go. It, so, it's, it's life. It's, uh, life it's been two weeks, right? Yeah. So the last week, <laughs> God damn it, I was in the hospital a whole week. Like a whole week. Hey, so Not I'm like, going to say that. Just so, because Erica was on us, like, y'all didn't pod. I was like, man, man, I'm all dead. I, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't throw that in there. I'm like, man, the, the homie ain't going to, man, you know. You it's going to be a bereavement. You tell people. It's going to be a bereavement show. We get my man back Here's together. <laughs> bereavement. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's the jerk show. <laughs> Um, here's something, and I don't know if we'll do a long, and I keep promising that we're going to do a long form, uh, a long form show about, um, what, what my situation is. And I've told pretty much everything almost there is to say, but understanding what kidney failure is. And I had a conversation, uh, one of my brothers, uh, shout out to Robert Jenkins. Um, he's a, he's a special brother to me who I, he will always have a special place in my heart. Um, Rob J is the, uh, one of the people he's like the person who let me know about this job uh, in Chicago and he's one of the reasons why I'm still here now um, you know 15 years later uh, got a chance to talk to him on the phone the other day and catch up catch up with him uh, good brother Rob I told him about the pot so shout out to my brother Rob he's a he's a he's a really good dude but um, we were talking about my uh, kidney failure and he was just like oh if you don't mind telling me I said no but I never have a problem talking about um my health issues, you know, because I want to be, you know, I, I, first of all, I got to be advocate for myself, but I want others to be aware of what's going on. You know, you want somebody who's ahead of you. you so in case you might be in the middle of the pitfalls, mm -hmm. you, you won't get there, but we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. I, um, I'll say that for another, another time, but the short form of that is, is that uh, I was in the hospital uh, all week this week. Um, for those of you who do know a little bit about dialysis, um, you get uh, with two needles in your arm, which is called your fistula, and that's where the, how they take and clean your blood uh, every other day, and that's how uh, that's what dialysis is. They clean your they clean your blood uh, in your body uh, three times a week, depending on how many hours the doctor says. For me, it's four hours, four hours a week. For most people, it is, but for me, it's four, it's definitely four hours. So what happened was they tried to do it. And they couldn't. I know it's, it's more a lot of technical jargon with it, but they tried to do it and they couldn't. And once they couldn't do it, they had to send me to the hospital for them to do an emergency procedure for it. And I was pissed and I cried because I said, I knew once you go to Northwestern, it's never short. You're going to be there for some time. Pack a lunch. Anytime you go, I've avoided it like the heart attack. 
you know I've talked to you, Vinny, a couple times. Like, oh, yeah, I almost went to the ER. And I always give you the almost mm-hmm. part because I know if I'm going to the ER, I need to pack some draws. I need to pack a lunch because they're going to find a way to keep you up in that joint. And I'll be damned. As soon as I got in there, they couldn't get a hold of my arm. They had to do an emergency situation where they had to cut a hole in my neck to uh, filter the blood through my heart to give me what's called emergency dialysis. And then they had to repair my arm, and that didn't work. And they had to do another revision surgery to the original surgery, which was the third time they've done it. So it's a lot going on. So time on time upon time, I'm there. I'm here. You know, I'm in touch with Vinny, in touch with Adrian, letting them know. And it's just, it was just, it was, it was long. It was a long process, you know. And I let my mother know, too. And I bring that up because I made this joke. Um, I love my mother to the end. There's no question about that. When I talk to my mother, um, uh, she's a woman of God. She's a woman. She's a believer. She's a Christian. She's a woman of God. When you talk to your mother, when I talk to my mother about my sickness, she's going to keep me encouraged. She's going to give me the scriptures and she's going to tell me to stay steadfast in the word. Mm -hmm. That's what she's going to do because that's the playbook that she's been taught. But dot, dot, dot. There are times when you're having a bad day mm-hmm. and you need a drink, you need that look, you need a shot, you need to pour a shot, you need to go, man, this is messed up. That's not who I talk to when I need those moments. Mm-hmm. I can talk to you and uh, shout out. And you know what? We needed to do this shout out last week. I was going to say this for what's on my heart. But shout out to my homegirl, Danny D. Um, and I'm going to sound, it's going to sound scatterbrained, but we'll get there. Uh, Danny D is the voice that you hear at the beginning and the end of the podcast. Irk and Jerk Podcast. Um, I shout out to her first and foremost because we had a long conversation. Um, she was the one who I poured a drink with. And she's, you know, had a little, the the virtual shot. It's messed up. I also bring her up, you know, to um, uh, keep her encouraged, keep her in her thoughts because uh, she was robbed, brother. Mm. And I know I didn't tell you this at all. So this is your first time hearing this. But, um, yes, she was robbed by five dudes in her backyard on Christmas morning, bro. They took her car, and they took all her Christmas gifts, man, from oh, her home. Man. You see what I'm saying? It was really some messed up situation. And, uh, you know, she's dealing with that trauma right now, um, you know, one step at a time. We needed to talk because it had been a while since she had done that. And uh, I don't need, I'll tell my story at a different time because it's not about me right now. But I've been robbed at gunpoint before. And uh, not personally, but I was robbed when I worked for Radio Shack. So I know that's a unwanted fraternity that we're in right mm-hmm. now um, of being, you know, caught off guard, you know, being robbed, not knowing what's going on, making it out because she wasn't hurt, you know, physically. They didn't harm her, but they did take her things. Um, and it, it's rough. It's hard. It's hard to deal with some things like that. So we were just in that moment of, you know, virtually sitting at the bar and sharing. And sometimes you just, you just need that. You do. And I, and I'll tell my mother that one day I mentioned it to my father a minute. Cause he halfway understood it, but some days you need both. I, I'll be honest mm-hmm. with you. Some days you're going to need, I need my mother to keep me encouraged and keep me strong. And then there's some other days where I go, damn, this is messed up. I'm tired of this kidney stuff. You know, it's beating me up a little bad. I'm tired, I'm weak, and it's okay to admit that. And it's like, just, you know what, pour up a little crown apple for you. That's, what, that's you why know, the Catholics so use real wine. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was, you know, the I made it out. 
got back home, got back home, got back home to Adrian, got back home to Zoe, and was um, happy to do it. Oh, I needed some water. So um, that was the quote-unquote uh, catch-up serious part of the mm-hmm. week. Now, um, before I jump, before I toss it to you, um, <laughs> little story that happened this week. So Adrian had a, a surgery on her frontal lobe. Uh, a little, it was a bump under her cranium, and it's plastic surgery. The doctor had to go in and uh, remove whatever was there, right? So outpatient surgery, in theory, not a big deal. And that's not really part of the story. Part of the story is this. It's cosmetic surgery, right? So she's in the waiting room. And, you know, with cosmetic surgery, most of that isn't covered by insurance. Mm-hmm. So you have to pay for it kind of whatever it is out of pocket. So, you know, Adrian's waiting in the waiting lobby. And I think she had already paid for her her services. But I think she needed somebody to see the doctor or whatever. So there's another woman. Um, we will guess what her ethnicity is at the end of the story. Um She's going to pay for her surgery. And the woman tells her, I think it's maybe $1,300 or whatever it was. And so she starts peeling off the hundreds and paying her. And she's paying her. She's peeling off the hundreds. And then the receptionist gets a phone call. And the woman walks away and goes to the elevator. And the receptionist takes the call. And then she hangs up. And then she looks down at the desk. And then she looks up at the woman as she's hitting the elevator button and she goes, excuse me, ma'am, ma'am, did you take some of your hundreds back? To which the woman goes, what? As the door closes what? and the elevator goes down. Fam, this woman, as Adrian looks quietly in awe, when the woman answered the phone, she took back a handful of the hundreds for the surgery Made a beeline for the door, elevator, and hit the button, bro. I I have a question. Would you like to guess the ethnicity of this young lady? I don't want her to be. I hope she was white. The caucasity of it all, you are correct, sir. Ah, because we got enough to be uh, look bad. They need to look bad. Ah, yes. Adrian, a black woman, they probably had two eyes, on, four sets of eyes on her. Well, the white woman who paid cash took back an envelope of her hundreds. They didn't look at her twice. I was just about to say, going. why does Adrian got $1,300? I thought she was paying. But no, the lady. Yeah, no, no. Adrian how do paid you, probably how, how do you grab, How do you grab money and make a beeline? Like, they not going to count it and then add it towards the... Fair. Hold on, so this was Fair. after she got her cosmetics? This was oh I should have mentioned that. This was after her procedure oh. where she got where she got her puffy lips. She got her puffy lips. Her surgery was done, bro. She transaction ain't ever was complete. Coming back. She just She's done go out to of the there. next nip tuck. Oh. Dang, that's nuts. You, you hate to see oh, it. You hate to man. see it. Nah, I like to see man. that. That mean that yeah. mean they're gonna start looking at them a little bit more. Cause that's the one. Goodness. I'm like, they probably looking at you. She getting the, she getting the cert. She getting one thing, and they probably looking at her like, "How are you paying, ma'am?" <laughs> and she like, this, and Adrian, like, this is nothing. I don't know what you're talking to me about. And then here comes sis. Let me peel these off. And she was like, "Ooh, got to pay that light bill." Look, I'm sorry. Let me get out of here. 
said, I'm, I'm done, bro. Hey, why they they got no security? It's like, it's like, what was going to stop her from just walking out in the first place? That's my, but see, here's the thing. This place is in, uh, the Gold Coast, for the Chicagoans who know, uh, an affluent area where uh, maybe not a lot of us African-Americans are at. Uh, plastic surgery, probably something that we're not necessarily uh, getting accustomed to because this isn't the BBL center. Yeah, this I'm about to say, the, we, uh, our, our um, cosmetic surgery is uh, a little different. Yeah, we're down low. We're we're above the face. We get the we get the suck and puff. You know, take it out from the front, put it in the back, please. And thank you. Here's the receipt. No, this ain't Doctor Miami. So this is the this is the Kardashian Center where everybody walks in, cheeks be up, lips be up, and she even said it. She said everybody looked like a robot. Didn't have no stomach, big boobs, big lips. The whole that's you know, a, everybody on. looks the same. Now it's weird. What happened just Robo- to your good old abnormal looking woman? The nineties is done, bro. You ever look at a music video from the nineties and be like, I like nineties ass. And just say it like just completely. I don't just think I've ever let said it out. that. But <laughs> when you see like the uh doing the butt video and they be like shaking yeah. their butt, I'm like them old pancakes. That's what we was looking at. I blame churches. Yes. I blame Popeyes. Like, there's a reason why asses are ridiculous. Like, it's in the diet. It's also a reason why 80% of women can squirt now. This is a new, it's a new generation of people. We, 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 oh, that's where we yeah, now. man, I blame churches that women can be I, squirting. Can, can I add this to the, since you, since you took it there, <laughs> can I add this to the, to the, to the end of my thing? Did you see the last thing I put up? In the group, in the in the blue yeah, bubble bandits. Okay, do you know who that is? That's one of the. I don't like the popular women. Give me a. Okay, I, I need a. Go I'm gonna be honest cheek. with you. Today is the day. I may admit it. I haven't done it. I ain't pulled the trigger. So the picture that I sent. Okay, so if I sent in the. You know, some days we're for the ratchet. If you judge me, don't give a damn. Uh, somebody sent a picture. Somebody sent a video of Malaya. And it, uh, if you don't know who Malaya is, it's uh, a stripper from Houston uh, who Drake used to mess with. So she's kind of popular and one of my favorites because she just looks just amazing. She's perfect. Mm-hmm. And for what I, for my, per, you yeah, know, like perfect. everybody got a taste. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Just done. That's the end of discussion on that one for me personally. That being said, I didn't realize that in uh, the iPhone when you send the link when you send a picture if there's a link to it you can link it and she has an OnlyFans today might be the day sir where the she this might be the first OnlyFans I might purchase I'm just going to tell you today I am a Malaya fan unabashedly and today might be the day that your boy might cross over into the OnlyFans bridge because every time I see the OnlyFans the first thing I see is Oh, that's nice. Here goes some tail. And then you see the link and you go, I'm not paying $14.95 for nothing. Today might be the day where I go, you know what? Here's my money. Just take it. Hey man, don't I, fall for the for the banana tailpipe. I've been I've been I, uh made a purchase before and everything is behind another paywall. Like 
There is the oh, pay no. just to get in the. It's like the club. You, you got to pay, pay to get, get in, the, in the club, and then you got to pay for the drinks. Pay for the drinks. And then there you go. People. Like so, there's levels oh. to it. So don't even do it. Everything you can see is gonna be on Twitter. So don't even. I do mean, it, yeah, Twitter is for the. Twitter is for the 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 the, uh, the generic. Filthy but that's no, I no, no, no. You see my Twitter. My I Twitter call is, it generic. My Twitter is um, abnormally non-generic. I mean, your uh, first of all, I, th- that's why I don't even send you nothing after seeing your looking at your Twitter feed once. <laughs> I said I don't need to send you nothing ever again. This is really for t- uh, shout out to Tez, um, the member of our third member of our uh, Blue Pod, uh, Irk and Jerk Sports. But um, yeah, it's really it's really for him because he's trying to stay, say, you know, in shape and save uh, and sanctify. And I didn't drop this on him. He probably walked out of church like, oh, <laughs> look, at, this is why I don't talk to these people on. This is why I don't talk to these fools on Sunday. Be like, How you doing, brother so, Fields? He's like, uh, I'm doing uh, all right, maintaining. Yeah, yeah, yep, maintaining. Oh my goodness! All right, um, I'm shutting up for now. Uh. That's it. So, that was it. That's so, it for me, so, boss. I, I don't even remember. What oh, shoot. I do. This was a big week. Dallas got shut down this week. Um, I had a whole plan. I was going to go hard in the gym this week because I was going out yesterday. So I was going to be like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm going to get a, a good outfit, you know, looking felt in there. And those plans changed because I, had, I didn't leave the house from Tuesday to... Friday afternoon, um, Dallas does a poor job. Well, tech, the state of Texas does a poor job, poor job of maintaining the roads with salt. And people in the Midwest and then the North and then the East, they it, always be like. It takes a while to catch up to it, bro. I'm going to be honest with you because we've done it. I mean, I've been up here we for years. Anytime two inches of snow, what's wrong with y'all? The older me is starting to understand a little better. Well, Go yeah, ahead. so the thing is, and I, I've been guilty of it when I lived in Michigan. Like, oh, man, Texas good. Man, y'all, y'all can't do nothing with this little seasoning of, of, of snow and ice. We, you know, I, I used to walk to school with ice. Like, that was the old man. Like, I used, I used to walk <laughs> in school in 10, 10, 10 feet of snow. Like, when I remember my freshman year in college, and we had to slide into the bus because they shoveled. 10 feet of snow on to the bus stop and we still had to go to take our finals like it was the most absurd thing I, like it was it was snow we was walking like snow past our knees and they was like y'all still gotta take the finals so i do actually have that story but at the same time the the roads are still treated there's that much snow on the side because somebody came through with a shovel and somebody came through with salt ain't none of that here Ain't a shovel, and it ain't a salt. They use sand when you can, but even when it's terrible, they just shut the freeway down. You can't even get on the freeway. Like, it'll just be police so police cars on the on-ramp. Hit the, pause real quick. The salt. Explain this to me. You dropped this in the group chat. You threw some salt on the oh, ground, and it just slid to the so, street. What type of salt you I got? I got the, uh, the, the melt salt, like the the real salt. Where you, but the thing mm-hmm. is... You've seen my driveway. It's a slant. It's a slope. So yeah, when yeah, I yeah. threw it, it was so much ice, the salt just kept going down the driveway. So That was crazy. That's the one that got me. I'm like, okay, I get it that even if you can salt your own like 
you know, your personal area. You can't do nothing for the roads down there, even if even if you a boss on the roads. It yeah, no, happen. no, and there's like, no bosses. Finished. Like, no, there are no, there aren't even even if you got a um, you know, a, a, a lifted truck with snow tires and all the jazz. If nobody's trying to protect the roads, you're not gonna get anything figured out. And most of our highways have on ramps that go way up into the sky and come back down. First of all, you're not even getting up to come down, but if you get up, you're sliding all the way down. So basically, the whole city was shut down. I'm glad we. I went to go to the grocery store to get Aiden some food, and I just grabbed us some stuff, not even thinking it was gonna be like a super ice storm. But, um, yeah, so basically, we were shut down for the week, but yesterday, we did have an outing, um, <laughs> Eric, Eric was, was, um, was hating, cause he can't, he can't tag along yet. Whatever, <laughs> go out with your whoever's you want to go out with, you want to go out and have your, have your fancy little good time. Hey, so where I thought would just be a mid-level couple people turned into maybe the, I want to say, and I've done a lot of these, it might have been the biggest event I've ever put together, and I didn't even know what it was happening. So everybody who I told brought a group, like brought people. So I told about 10 to 15 people, not even thinking, you know, you usually invite to, if I invite 15 people, six, seven people come. That's how I usually look at it. I didn't invite 15 people to make 45. So that's, we we were so deep. It was ridiculous. Um, shout out to everybody who came, who listened to the pod. Um, had a wonderful time. Um and it was it was a so fellowship. A, it really was. So we had an Irk and Jerk uh, pod event, and and, and Irk one half of the here. podcast. Irk okay, wasn't even I got there. you. <laughs> I got you. All right, but yeah, That's man, cool. we we had a ball. Um, you already know. I'm trying to get in cigars. Um, guys was telling me, you know, what cigars to buy and all that jazz. So so I really I really enjoyed myself. Uh, everybody enjoyed my their self. I was getting texts all night saying, I'm so proud of you, blah blah and then I was thinking like, Oh, I must have been terrible. All these people thought they proud of me and how what type of man I've grown up to be and all this jazz. Because a, a couple of people I haven't seen in a while, so um it was just good to see everybody. I'm I'm powering through the pod today because I am still still tired, but yeah, we, we we had a good time. Jim Bay didn't slide through, um, but I think we didn't have the the what? Yeah, he didn't. We didn't see each other all week, so I was pretty sure he forgot. So you know, I ain't get his number. I just had his uh his IG, but we'll link up. We'll link up. But other than that, slowest moving, slowest moving relationship. Hey, ever. slow and steady wins the race, as women say. Does he? Hey, I need some consistency. If that consistency is slow, be consistent with it. My boy just said, "Why you want to go around the block when you can just go across the street?" Huh? We had the, that was an analogy because we had this conversation years ago when we were talking about. I was like, "Yeah, man, you got to play the slow game with women." He said, 
He was like, Irk, let me tell you something. He said, this is you. You go around the block to get to the world. But me, I just crossed the street. <laughs> What's up? What's up on that box? Hey, man, sometimes Good. it's quality over quantity. No, I get it. No, no, no. Trust me. When I it's the home run. out. Like, it's weird. Cause the wife goes out. She's trying to meet friends. And she'll kind of dissect stuff. And I'm starting to see I do the same thing. Like, you're not just going to bring people in your life. And that's that's not even like, I ain't bringing a woman in my life. Not so, like, bringing dudes. You got to protect your peace. Like, it's different out here now. Like, I'm not going to be, I can't just be like, yeah, man, what's up? And he be wanting to go to strip club every week. And I ain't what I do. So I got to find somebody who on the same level. That's going to take a little bit of time. So, because Jim Bay showed a couple flaws, man. Like, I'm like, damn, man, he a little more hood. He hood like I used to be. Oh, yeah, really? I'm like, uh He's single? No, nah, he married. But it's also another dude that I met at the gym. He's super hood. Married to the motherfucker talking about, hey, man, when my son graduated from high school, I might have to leave my old lady. Like, these conversations he having. So I'm like, shit, I can't even talk to you, bro. You're man wild. You trying to stay safe. Yeah, man. Uh-uh, not today. But, yeah, it's, um, we had a good time, man. So whenever you get down here, man, we're going to have a welcome party when you get down here. We're gonna have we gonna have a for, kidney waiting for you at the table instead of some cake. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I, uh, when I do my, uh, we, we'll keep people updated uh, on the slowest move. There it goes. Ever. Uh, I, is that is it even official yet? Because I sure won't tell nobody in real life. I will tell them in pod life. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh yeah, we just talking. Y'all moving to Texas I, like uh, Oregon Trails was going to Oregon. Man, your, your oxen gonna die. <laughs> you gonna get dysentery. But, uh, but th- at least, at least this time we know it's definitely not a send off. Yeah. We know it's not a like before. It was kind of like a pie in the sky. I really didn't have a pathway to figuring it out. But now that um, yeah, shoot, I don't know how much I want to say. Now that I let, let me just say this. Now that I have a pathway, the pathway has been cleared. I'll say that. Now that the pathway has been cleared and some of the red tape has been cut, um, you know, the slowest move ever can can start. <laughs> um, a lot of it, you know, contingent on a few things and uh jobs jobs and health are one of them. So uh yeah, it's um it's not a I believe I can firmly tell you it's not an if but a mm-hmm. win. So that's a good thing uh, for my personal life. Um, and then we can uh, continue to link this thing up like Voltron, as I continue to say. Um, that being said, my brother, do you have any other business that we missed? Nah, nah. I think or we, can, we can actually start the okay, show. Okay, we can get into um, some of the things that I wanted to uh, discuss that were uh, on my heart a little bit. Um so, two things that I, I, I caught up on a lot of uh, TV. No, I didn't. I just caught up on some uh, some TV and some podcast things this week. Um, trying to um, get my brain up, get my brain weight up a little bit, you know, so to speak. So, uh, shout out to the uh, Higher Learning Podcast with um, uh, Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay, man. That was um, uh, diving into his podcast has uh, been pretty mm-hmm. dope. Uh, I'm gonna do my best to try to get around to some podcasts that um that I enjoy. Um that, you know, some things are you know, you're here to be uh uplifted, 
and then some things you aren't. And, you know, we kind of had a conversation about some things that we wanted to bring mm-hmm. up on the podcast, and I don't even think we need to necessarily bring them up because I guess it'll denote a conversation that we probably don't want to get into. But um, there are some days where we're going to give you a little bit of the ratchet, as we already done. We're going to give you some things that are going to build you up. Um, so we try to do a little bit of both. Uh, so two things that um, two things that I uh, looked at this week. One was the uh, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf uh, documentary on Showtime uh, that was called Stan. Now I know um, the NBA isn't your big jive, um, mm-hmm. Vinny. Do you remember Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, bro? Yeah, the light skinned dude who was torching fools. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's what most people remember. Um, so. Everybody, most of the people listening to this podcast are our age. But um, for those that you don't, I'm not going to break down every bit of the documentary. But what I will give you is Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, his former name is Chris Jackson, um, a basketball player for LSU in the Denver Nuggets, uh, who was a outstanding point guard, outstanding point guard in high school, college, the NBA. And as the documentary will tell you, and as your eyes will tell you, he was kind of Steph Curry before he was mm-hmm. Steph Curry when the league was still, uh, you know, the land of the big men. And, you know, in the 80s and 90s and Jordan was coming up and Isaiah Thomas was really the littlest guard. Uh, you know, shout out to Isaiah Lord Thomas, the third, by the way, as always, um, who was, uh, you know, breaking fools down. It wasn't a lot of Isaiah's out there really crushing them. Everybody was really, you know, big guys mm-hmm. and, you know, Maddie Johnson and whatnot. So this was the start of, you know, guards really torching cats like that. That being said, he was on his run in the NBA, but uh, he had an awakening uh, in the change from Christianity to Islam. And in that, uh, to a lot of series of events, as the documentary breaks down, um, he decided to take a stand, ironically, by sitting during the national anthem. Now, this was in the mid-90s when, A, nobody knew this wasn't a thing. Nobody knew it was was wasn't popular was popular to do this thing. So now we don't want to look at this in revisionist history. So let's talk about it in the nineties time. In the nineties time, what happened was he was doing the stand, and a radio ho- a sports radio host who, if you're a sports radio nerd like me, you know that sports radio wasn't even a thing until nineteen ninety four. So this was when you know radio was still one of the top kings before social media. And he happened to see Mahmoud sitting and he decided to bring it up on his show and his listeners saw it and they made a fuss about it. And the news stations found out about it in the next game. uh, The reporters in his face asking him questions about what do you, how do you feel about the American flag? Now keep in mind at this moment, he didn't know what was going on a and B by the time this tub of goo, found him sitting he had been doing it for six months and you can they were showing video of it over and over it and over nobody doesn't sounds familiar right he was doing his thing nobody saw it nobody said anything nobody cared and we moved on with our lives but as soon as somebody decided to make light of it and bring it to the only form of media one of the two forms of media that we had radio and television then you've got John Q. Middle America at the game, waving their American flags. Well, you're offending me because my father went in World War II. Shut your ass up. Type of <laughs> foolishness that was going on. You understand what I'm saying? 
And they asked Mahmoud what he thought about the American flag. And he said, well, you know, it's a symbol of oppression. And this is what America has done. And this is their atrocity they've done in our own land, as we know now, and throughout other parts of the world. Things that a simple Google search, which didn't happen, we didn't know then, a simple Google search will turn up. We're not even going to go through all that. So he says this. It's a firestorm. The NBA gets a hold of it. They tell him he has to stand up. He says, I ain't going to do it. They take his paycheck away. Say he can't go to the game. Say he can't go to the, he can't even go to the arena. And after so much back and forth, he says, fine, I'll stand for the anthem. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray during the national anthem, right? I remember. Peaceable solution. You've seen, it's an infamous picture that you've seen where everybody's standing during the national anthem. And he's standing up with his teammates with his hands up, uh, praying peaceable solution right not to john q middle america it ain't oh no mississippi gotta be mad about it he's from gulfport mississippi by the way so they got to be mad about it one of the parts that blew my mind his first game back praying that picture that you saw it's in chicago bro oh they're playing the bulls you know the Michael Jordan hot 72 win bulls. Fools are waving their flags. Every media outlet is there. Camera in his face. A young girl is singing the national anthem and she's being drowned out by booze. These are the same people who are screaming, don't disrespect the anthem, don't disrespect the flag, and you're booing during the national anthem freaking anthem you clowns Mm. you fools this is why I bring him up he end up after so long in the media firestorm he gets traded uh, to the Sacramento Kings he ends up having to play overseas he comes back for a little bit boom 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 essentially his career is done done so all right why, when we take a stand, does it mean it's the end of us? We give up our lives. We give up our families' lives. We give up our families' safety, privacy, privilege. We give it all up. The same thing, and this is and this is something. And then Adrian brought this up earlier, right? And then I'm gonna hand it off. I know you want to say something. Cancel, this brings up cancel culture, right? Before cancel culture was a thing. When black people get canceled, we lose everything. White people get canceled, we're just mad. They don't lose money. Unless they do something completely off the wall, inherently racist and horrible. And I can't even, you can probably think of a situation, but we lose everything, bro. Go ahead, I know you want to say something. First of all, this really goes to the, um, I mean, this is akin to the Kaepernick uh, situation uh, to, of now, but what really, and, and I've had this conversation, I don't even know if it's it's been on the pod with you, but when I see the flag, I don't feel pride, and I think this was earlier in the, in our podcast journey 
um, and we had this conversation. I don't feel like what am I prideful for? Like most of my people struggle. The 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 history of my people is of a struggle and there's been a lot of bloodshed there's been a lot of hate there's been redlining there's been slavery there's been there's been copious amount of things that why are we pride why are we why should i love the flag why should i care that the national anthem is being sung y'all don't sing lift every voice and sing like there is no there we can't say anything. You don't feel a sense of unity, bro, some days. Yeah, like... Some days you do. I'm going to be honest with you. Some days there are times where, you know, we, you and I, in, in our own way, when we see things that... Um, uh, when black people do things for America, we, we feel like, yeah. But it's more like more of the black than it is like the flag. But it's because it's one thing... We kind of embrace them both. Like I think I'm thinking probably like the Olympics is when we see it the most. Like if we see an American smoke somebody in the in the hundred meter dash, and we're like, yeah. I mean, we don't go. I mean, like if Africa wins, we're happy. But you see that black man win is something you know because it's like a it's an inherent journey that you know at some point in time we have similar things that we've crossed. We've crossed it. But I, you know, I I don't root know for. For the blackness, like I root. Tell me this: if you watch Jeopardy, every time you watch Jeopardy and it's a black person, who are you rooting for? The, the black On person. Price Is Right, yeah. every game show. Same. If a black person on there, shout out to Will of yeah, Fortune too. By same way. thing. Even we even at the point now, if if the if a team got a, a black head coach, let's see what the brother can do. Like. We we do that. We we root for everything that is black, and we're to the point now. Unfortunately, it is black. It's African American because if you see a Nigerian dude on Jeopardy, you go back to this is a moot point. Do you yeah. do you root for the Zimbabwean um, Jeopardy person? Yeah. You, no. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, it all depends. But no, if you see, if you see one or the other, you're gonna go for the black person. Yeah, but at the same, so that's what I'm saying. Like there isn't a, and I, you right in the Olympics world around, you know, I, I don't have nobody else to root for. Like I, I'm root for Japan. Like, but when I see, and and I don't know, this is like embedded in me. This ain't something that I do like just consciously, but. If it's if it was a white sprinter and they won, I'd be like, all right, that's cool. But I'm not. It don't have my focus, and I hate that I think that way. And this this country is rooted in so much um, racism and big like bigotry. Where if I see a, a, a white homie in the streets, I, I have white friends like, and I ain't got nothing against them. Like we cool and everything. So it's not. The individual, but it is the it's yes, the system. yes, it's the system. It's the the concept of the oppression that what I see and how my people are, and and a lot of it is on us. Like I tell y'all about the dudes at work all the time. Like they get on my last nerves because they don't want to do no better in their life. 
But why don't they? They probably don't see themselves to even be better. And that that's even another problem. So to go all the way back to the documentary, you say that, uh, why do we lose everything? King lost everything. Like, this isn't just a sports thing. This is, this is, it's, it's, a, it's, yeah. it's more, it goes past sports. It's a bigger picture to it. And it just, it, it, it infuriates me. I, and like I said, I, I feel like I'm, I still want anybody who, uh, you know, has the show. I know you got the, you got the hookup, but uh, who has the Showtime app to really watch in depth and just listen to him, him talk. But there's like, you know, he builds a house in, uh, in his home, Goldport, Mississippi. And, you know, they burned, they burned it down, bro. Mm. This was like in damn near 2000. This is not, this ain't the 60s, goddammit. You see what I'm saying? And all of this like, got swept under the rug. I ain't even hear about this. Yeah, that's what, yeah, it was a lot of news. Yeah, it was a lot. I knew, we knew, like, the highlight. I knew who he was. I knew he took a stand. I knew he was in the league. And the word, the term blackball, even though a lot of cats were afraid to use it. I'm like, why? Just call it what it is. I mean, I know some of these people still got money to be made in the world, but that's probably the real answer to it all. But, yeah, it was just like you, you didn't hear a lot about a lot of this stuff. But then think about, you know, pre-social media, a lot of this stuff, you know, unless the, 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 the mainstream carried it, there was no other stream media for us to hear from. Now we have so many different ways for people, A, you know, where we hear our news from, but more importantly, we have so many outlets for people to get their story without it being chopped and screwed like there were and i won't go into what they were because I, I need to save some of it for people gonna watch it there are a few interviews that he did that quote-unquote got chopped and screwed you know what i'm saying and edited it out and then he's like what and he's like man we did this and this and a b and c i'll leave it at that but and it's just like wow and we're now in today's that's no shot because even if you're even if you did an interview that got misconstrued, you can go and talk to somebody or do like us, get on your own. Well, more than likely, there's a pod for everybody. And then you can have it all out there for the record, for everybody to be like, you ain't going to get nothing twisted on here. Here it is, completely unedited, raw and uncensored. Boom. They didn't have, he didn't have that option. And, you know, somebody said something, I will say this much, that it was almost unfortunate that he was born in the wrong bubble. This happened in the wrong bubble in time because they said this wasn't the early 60s with Malcolm and Muhammad and Kareem, where the sports athletes and Jane and Jim, shout out to Jim Brown too, uh, who, uh, who stood up. You know, you've seen that iconic picture where they're all in the suits at the press conference, you know, talking about the state of African Americans. And, you know, that meant, and then everybody was there to cover it. Like, it had everybody's attention. And then you have, you fast forward to like the Colin Kaepernick situation, you know, regardless of what you think about it, it was a situation where it happened in the area era of social media where it didn't have to get snuffed and people were against him. But then the same, there were just as many people who believed in what he was originally trying to say in his cause. So Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf didn't have that. And he didn't have the people to stand up for him. He was like a man alone. I kind of felt bad for him because half the people in documentary were the same people who were just like, you know, hey, my bad, bro. I didn't know then. But you didn't stand with him. But at that time, the 90s, 
the late 80s, early 90s, when we basically grew up, blacks were villainized because that was the the golden age of the drug era. And yep. we were either on drugs or selling drugs. And, the, you know, dare to keep your kids off drugs, all that stuff. Like, I don't even stand with that. Like, the origin of dare. And I didn't even, I even as a kid, I felt kind of weird about the white cat coming to school, talking about don't do drugs and all this jazz. And I didn't understand what was really going on. But now that I look back at it, I feel like my sixth sense as a young kid still was kind of looking at that with a side eye. But we were villainized. I mean, if you from the government, yeah, the dr- the government that was giving us the drugs yes. in the first place. Stop it! Just stop. Don't get me started on that because that's a whole that's a different that's a whole other show. And then for people who don't understand that, you know, do your Google, do your Googles, do your homework. Do your research. It's 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 very well known. Um, the origin of the crack epidemic and where it came from. It's really sick. You let the drugs out into the community to mess us up and then tell us don't do it. Yeah. It, it, and but you're selling it to us through the back door. Stop it. Just stop it. It, it. it was really don't. That's the type of stuff that people when you talk nowadays. Oh, blah blah blah. You don't remember that, and then you don't remember that. See, I, I don't want to make this political, but let's you know, let's take off, let's fist fight, because this happened in the Ra- this happened in the Reagan era. This happened in the era of the conservative movement. Mm-hmm. So you got the conservative movement do this with one hand, but then in the back end you got this going. Mm-hmm. But shut the all the ones I'm supposed to trust, clowns. Y'all need to stop it. Just y'all need there to stop. Always has and to you be. You wonder why dirt. black people are untrust, untrust. Untrust. There always has to be dirt going on. Either you show me the dirt in front of me or you doing it behind your back. When you have to mm-hmm. lead with Christianity, you can't do your dirt in the face. You always gotta do it behind. The 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 Christian the Christian preacher can't can uh get his, his sexual fantasies out in public because he is supposed to be this. But when you turn them lights off, my man got on panties. <laughs> not panties <laughs> I thought you was going to say he was getting his cheeks clapped I was about to laugh at that I was ready <laughs> Reverend Cheek Clapper oh my goodness okay somebody had to say it one of the two and no 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 uh what do you call it? no shade mm-hmm. and no, you know no disrespect live your life but at least to that part, but the other but don't, part. Don't don't tell is, is me more... to not do something, and you doing the work. That's why people say, like you know, the people, the biggest advocates of 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 gay rights, no, the ones who are against it, against it, are the ones are the ones. This yeah. fam, I just remember I told you I was catching up on the documentaries. Mm-hmm. I'm not even because the fact of who he is, a guy named Roy Roy Cohn. The one thing you need to know about Roy Cohn is he's a vicious lawyer. From the four, from the fifties and sixties, and he's known as being one of the biggest mentors to Donald Trump. That's mm. that's the bullet point. The other thing is is that he was a part of the McCarthy hearings, which was a bunch of people who were trying to seek out and search out communists and throw them in jail. And you know they lumped in black people to communists uh, in the late fifties and early sixties. 
the hook of that is is that the same people he he was throwing them in and then accusing people of homosexuality. He was getting his cheeks clapped on a regular basis, Man. bro. His entire life, not like this was like. And he was first of all, he was never married, so it's not like he was on the DL. So I'll give him credit for. I mean, he was on the DL, so he wasn't living the quote unquote double life. He was living the oh, I'm a New York bachelor life. But buddy's coming through the back door. They were Man, interviewing all of his boyfriends. <laughs> right interviewing all his boyfriends and if you ask me how you know you're gonna see claps because one of the guys asked him on the interview he was like are you the boy or the girl he's like well i'm kind of the girl. he's like well basically i'm always the girl and i was just like wow hmm. this is in the 60s before we were using the terminologies that we're using now and the man low-key died of aids and didn't even didn't even admit it Dang. And, uh, right up until Right up until he died. That's yeah, about man. as bad I, as I, I was on. they don't want to take the vaccine dying of COVID. <laughs> yeah, he out here because uh, Reagan was one of his best buddies. He was like, they were doing experimental drugs on him. Fam, that's the same stuff they were trying to do to cure AIDS. And then when they were asking him about it, he would deny it unequivocally. And his boyfriends is watching the 60 minute interview like, I don't know why he's saying this. You're wild, bro. You'll be speech people. These people, the same people who are the ones that are telling you are holy and just are probably the most wild of them both. And, it's, and the funny thing is, I'm not sitting up here telling you to trust the the uh, uh, the left either. I'm not telling you that either. I'm not about to but get on I'll my... I'd rather uh, take that pill because most yeah. of the stuff is up front. I know what I'm dealing with here. I don't know, like some of the stuff that people hide behind their back and try to try to shove in your face. That's the part, like man, if you're gonna be racist, if you don't like me, give me that up front. Don't 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 hold it behind. Tell me yeah, what it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me know, like go Fort Mississippi. If I know he said I'm sitting on the beach where the clan was at. No shade to him, but fam, they told you what yeah. it was. They told you, like they gave you fair warning, Doc. And I'm not saying, see, that sounds kind of bad, but there are certain, there are certain, let me, let me back it up. There are certain situations where, like you said, give me my racism up front. So I know at least if I'm going to take the pill, I know what I'm dealing with. And I feel he knew what he was dealing with before they cooked his house. Like they sprayed your joint. They, they, they knocked part of the frame down. And then the second time they sprayed KKK. Strike one, strike two. You keep moving. You you can't be surprised when something happens. But why do when shit get burned down, our shit get burned down? It's always it's it's, it's the cover up is on there too. Because we're just now whites are finally understanding the Tulsa incident. Like it, it they they hide it so beautifully. Like I didn't even know about this, and you know this is stuff where I go looking for it. We were good. We were good and grown. We were good and grown when we found out anything that had to do with the Tulsa massacre and the Black Wall and what Black Wall Street is. And if you don't know what that is, please go to your Googles with that as well. Because once upon a time there were areas where black people lived in their own little place. And where did nobody else want to live? Don't nobody want to live in Tulsa? And did. did didn't want to bother nobody. Wanted to be be in our own little planet with our own people by ourselves, with our own businesses, uh, generating our own money, generating our own wealth. And 
white people couldn't be happy with that. They couldn't stand to see a situation where a group of us didn't need them, were thriving, didn't bother, didn't do anything. And you create a situation that wasn't real to incite anger, right? And you beat and burn us all out of our area. That's the bullet point and, of that. And but it's it's sickening. It's the, sickening. The, the thing is that I... I, me and the wife always talk about integration. Was it needed? Um, should it have happened? She's always been a proponent, a proponent of we shouldn't have integrated. We should have stayed doing our own thing. And I, I basically agree with her. Um, because at the end of the day, black people's biggest export is entertainment. A lot of times you can't put a monetary value on it, but they've made a way to do it. You can't. How do you make money singing? How do you get make money shooting a basket? No, how do you make money being athletic? There has been monetary gain to they've made it um, worth something. Why? And me and you in the group chat always talk about. I rather every five star athlete go to HBCU. I'll throw it. I'll throw my allegiance to to Michigan, the University of Michigan, um, rooting for them. I take that away to root for like Howard or um, the Swag. Anybody like that's the point where we need to be able to support ourselves. I don't know if you. I, I don't know what documentary I was watching, and it was basically talking about how. Um, Oh, it wasn't. Even, it was Kanye, and I, you know, I ain't about to start the seventh <laughs> Kanye um pod, but others make money on our talents in the music industry because the music industry is basically ran by by African American. No, Af- yeah, African Americans. To be honest, because you go to Africa and get rap. Rap started in the slums in New York. And it's all the way worldwide now. So with that being said, how do we keep the money in-house? They're not going to let us keep the money in-house. Even if, if we start to try to do a, a Black Wall Street, try to get, you know, work with us, which we can't and don't. But if that's something we can do, we can take back so much money. And that is the dream of so many African Americans. Just, just let us do us. And they like, nah, we about to put another Chinese food place in the hood. Nah. How many gas stations in Detroit have you seen where anybody other than the Arab is working behind the, uh, the register? Very rare. Until I moved to Texas, I never saw anybody but an Arab work in at a gas station. They set up shop in black neighborhoods to take the black money and get out of there. And the and there, so there's no easy. and there's no no pushback because we ain't got nothing. Let us do be black able people to know. do something. Do black people know? I shouldn't say do black people, but people know. Um, when you come to this country, and in this, and I'm probably a little off on maybe the small, slightly off on the numbers, but essentially, when you come to this country as an immigrant, you don't have to pay taxes for five years really so yeah 
So, and I, let me, you might Google check me on that or something, brother. I, maybe, I don't want to, I hate, I don't want to be that guy serving misinformation. I've heard this for a very long time that um, you, when, you, when you're an immigrant, check it out, when you're an immigrant, you don't have to, how long is it before you pay taxes? And the reason why I heard this is because it has to do with when you come to this country and they come with a certain level of wealth that we do know. They're able to get business loans, and it's easy to get those business loans to start up, uh, uh, bus- you know, small businesses like a, a gas station or a subway. And it's easy for them, and then they're able to multiply them. And that's why they're able to get off to a faster start than most. I don't know. Maybe we can talk about it on another uh, another pod. But, um, yeah, I, need, I probably need to break that down a little better so people can understand it, but, um, it just, it's just, you know, it's part of, you know, the system of what is and, you know, why we, you know, I don't know. I say, I don't want to say what well, we're playing from behind, but we, re- we really are. And it's why we feel the game is rigged and it takes it back to, you know, the documentary, why people decide to feel uh, a certain way about, you know, the American flag. Um, my brother, when I used to live out in the suburbs, uh, he would, he asked me, how many American flags do you see flying like on your, uh, uh, what do you call them? Post off. Uh, what do you call the post box thing? I got my words wrong now. You know, mailbox. I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I'm good. The mailbox. And back in my, in, when I was in the suburbs, it would be a lot of people in my in my immediate neighborhood who had mailbox and the American flag on their mailbox. And he said, what do you think? He said, do you think, how many of those people do you think are racist? And I said, probably like 95% of them. And he was just like, Oh man, I can't believe you think like that. And I said, the problem is I don't can't believe. I said, I can't believe that you don't. And I said, it has a, it's a product of, you know, of where we live. Um, you and I, I think when we both left Detroit, I think we never really, well, you moved away from black people. And I don't mean it in a negative sense. I'm saying, but you never stopped your communication and you were always around them, the people that you went to school with. To a certain level, you were always around black people. Me, I was in the inner city here in Chicago for years, so I never left. Like, I joke with my parents and my brother. When both, when they left Detroit, oh, they gave up being black. They were like, oh, we're good on that. You can keep it. Mm. They retired. Retired of being black. And they retired, bro. My brother retired. My brother checked out. And he's going to, you know, he he may hear this because I know he's up on it and think I'm taking shots at him. It's not really a shot. It's just the way that, your you know, life was, you know, set up. You know, you go from, you know, from uh, uh, rural Wisconsin to rural, you know, Connecticut to rural North Carolina and there you have it. You know, for my parents, you know, I've documented with them. They went uh, to the suburbs of Southern California to one of the farthest suburbs of Fort Worth, Texas. You see what I'm saying? Hanging out in there with God's country with uh, Vinny in them right now. <laughs> so, you you know, you tried. I said you traded it in. And then you go back. Remember we talking about the black people? This is funny because I joke with them and say, man, y'all ain't got no, y'all don't live around no black people. First thing my mother say, Yes, we do. There's three across the street. And I said, Ma. And I said, I said, What are their names? Umbukwe, Umchazu, and Zabiqua. 
and you be like, Mom. Mom. I said, I love them. That doesn't count. Well, you're right. You know, they're different. You know, they're, 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 they're different. I said, is there any, I said, well, there is one black person across you, but we don't really talk to them. I said, oh, eggs. I said, my, you're proving my point. But I want to go back to your other point. If I see American flag, I don't think that person is inherently racist. Um, my whole question is, um, where does your pride stem from? If they always say, um, you don't have pride in the flag, you should go back to Africa. Um, what is your pride when I ask you why why does that flag wave in your in your front yard? What sense of um, of um pride does it bring for you? So I think pride comes from naturalization, brother. I think it it's it's what we it's the all we know. We don't know anything. And think about as a younger age. It's it's we don't know anything else. When you're in school, what do you know? You're an American. When you come up to a school, what do you see? The stripes, the flag, the red, white, and blue. What do you what are you taught before second grade? I pledge allegiance to the flag and uh, uh well, to the United States of America. Oh wait, that's, that's it. not it. Okay. Okay, okay. It's been a while since I've had this. We had to say it's the fifth grade. Well, yeah, you said pledge allegiance to the flag, and and uh, what else? And then you learn the Star Spangled Banner. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Thinking then uh, back up to our elementary age, if some when some when they show it on TV, it looks like brainwashing. Yeah, that's what I, I said. Naturalization, but that's I mean that's a it's a fancy way of saying it because by the time you get to a certain point, what do you do? You don't know anything else. You barely even know what a map looks like. So before you know what a map looks like, you know this. America, 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 America. So, like you said, you've been brainwashed to a certain extent. It didn't matter what. We didn't go to the same schools. didn't matter what school you went to. So when you see it, and then you're watching the Star Spangled Banner, and it's 1990, and Whitney Houston's got on uh, the cool Stars and Stripes windbreaker, and oh, say does that. And you got that tear coming out in your eye. And you've seen that video that's going around YouTube with the black men going, go, baby. She about to go for that note. Of the free. And you go, whoa. And you see them, see them darn planes. Shoo. USA, USA. You, bruh, it's over. The, the the brainwashing is complete, and you like America. You ready to go strap on some boots and shoot somebody that you don't even know, and then, and there and there you have it. Because I was I'm I'm right with the rest of them. I still watch Whitney sing the national, uh, uh they sing the national anthem and get a little get a little ding in the side of my tear more so for her than it is for the national anthem, but a lot because of what it had to do and at that particular time and you know the war going on. And all that good stuff. That's why I brought up 1990. I've been, I've been Dr. Umar before Dr. Umar. Like, I was frowning in fifth grade. <laughs> like, and, and like I said, I was too young to understand my feelings. I definitely wasn't there. I didn't get there for a long... I don't know. I didn't get there until my adulthood. I mean, kudos to you for sniffing it out. But then I went to... I don't know. I went to school with... With all black people, well, no, 
the majority of black people up until like second grade. And then it flipped. And then I went to school with 99% white people. And then up until seventh grade. And then I homeschooled. And then it flipped again where I was around with 99% black people. So it's just been back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So I've had a little bit. I've been dipped in the pool of both. And then, in, you know, in homeschooling, I was friends with people who lived in super rural areas. I mean, clan territory in Michigan. So I've been around. Well, bro. no, I was so just saying, just, like, living in Detroit, and you can answer this question, mm-hmm. as a black Detroiter, what is your goal when you graduate high school for your work? Oh, you go to the plant. There you have it. So, yeah. I used to always think, like, why? Even now, you see so many people who live in Detroit. Man, I can't wait, man. Christ is calling me back. I'm so happy. Like, we still yeah, doing we that? we still doing that, bro. Aww. Like, people are still happy for that. And I don't knock that at all. But that brainwashing happened, too, where this is the best you're going to get. You happy to work at the plant for the rest of your life. For continuity, yep. for pension, for all of that. Yep. But you call it thirty years and call yeah, it a career. But when you look at the money, even with all the the, the bonus, they they ain't making no money. They still not making no money. It's just, but a, it's the dream. It, I mean, our dreams 80s, are so it, it mediocre. Was, yeah, in the eighties, it was. I mean, no shape. My father worked in. My Christ, dad worked so at GM. I, I mean, I, I understand get, that. I get it. But yeah, at yeah. the same time. Yeah. We, our dreams have caps. And this is what I'm trying to, to strangle out of us. You, you can, you can want more. My wife and I talk all the time. We still ain't figured it out because we're still in the same spot. But what can we do for more income streams? We're doing fine now. But how do we get to the next level where the working can stop? That's the dream that others have. But we didn't have that head start where, where, the the generational wealth, where my grandfather, my great grandfather, they had money that pushed. You keep pushing money down. We ain't had no money to put. They was barely keeping the lights on. Black people was barely keeping the lights on. What they pushing down a bill? So man, I going on down uh, on for days and days and days and days, but. We don't have days. We've been at it for over an hour. Yeah, we, we ain't even hitting none of these yeah. extra ones. I we oh we can say it's we can say we can say no it, no no. I want to get that one your treat thing out. That can be the end of the show because I didn't even understand. Okay, what you were all right. About. And it's I'm laughing because real life I can hear I can hear Zoe crying in the background. I'm like God, dog. You didn't give me one. You didn't give me a solid hour and change. Uh, I try. I try to slip in the pod during the nap time for those who who hadn't figured out, who don't know that. Um. So what treat? Okay. So the, I put this on the notes. What treat in your life? Uh, have you upgraded in your forties? So I was listening uh to the uh six seventy score here in uh, Chicago, and they, the guys uh, uh were talking about it, and I thought it, I just thought it was interesting. Um, there are things that you do in your twenties that. By the time you get to your 40s, you go, I'm not doing that. Like, ramen noodles, right? <laughs> to a certain extent, you've probably given them up. Maybe. It might be your hood treat. But for the most part, you go, you know what? I can, too close to I the can buy some. The- 
I can buy some udon. I can buy some, you know, I can go get some some real, you know, some real udon or get some Korean food or get something real, you know, uh uh special. I'm trying to think of the uh what's the name of the uh the the Korean or the uh, Chinese soup with the noodles that you get. Oh, I don't eat that too. I can't eat the, th- the sweet and is it hot and spicy soup? No, it's just one of them. Uh uh I just can't egg think drop. of it right now. It's fine. No, 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 no. Egg, not egg drop or miso, but you know, one of the ones with the noodles. But you get what I'm the point is you upgrade it. Now for you, I think I know one of the things because I've heard you say it before, and if there's another one, you can say it. But the first, the one that they brought up on the show that I said, oh, that's Vinny all day, is my man said, I upgraded my liquor cabinet. Mm-hmm. He said, the liquor that I was uh, perusing at 23 is not the same at 42. And I said, so I will ask you, my brother, is that one of the things that you have upgraded? And if so, which this one? This has actually happened. Um, this happened last night. And it showed me that I reached the cap on my friend circle in some aspects of of cultural things. Where, you know, I love my friends to death, but I need to enter another circle with my circle on liquor. Because right now, I'm the, the top of the totem pole on my liquor buying. But then when I went out, shout out Antoine... And uh, Will, they was talking about Burmese yesterday and the age and asking the the waitress, do y'all have such and such? Uh, 16. They was giving numbers and stuff. And it was like they were speaking, speaking Cantonese. And I was like, give me some crown. <laughs> That's the crown, like no matter what I do buy, I'll still have a bottle of crown. But I don't know what I'm buying when I go to the liquor store. That's why I ask. Because I just go and find something on the top shelf and buy. So as long as it's in the range of like maybe 40 to $70, I'll go ahead and, and knock it out. But Antoine was telling me the stuff he get. He was like, yeah, you know, there's a such and such. Um, there's like $50. And I was like, well, shit, I'm buying stuff that costs more than that. But I don't know what to look for. So I... It's almost like a big brother, uh, a mentor thing when it comes to liquor. But I have upgraded. I I have, I don't just buy random stuff like I used to when I was young. Like, oh, get this uh, pineapple vodka or whatever. No, I get a bourbon and I'll get another bourbon. And I'll try different bourbons and i try different rums. And i try like top shelf tequilas and stuff like that. But... When it comes to bourbon, there are so many. There's, you know, Canadian whiskey. There's rye whiskey. There's, you know, um, the top shelf stuff. There's Kentucky bourbon. There, there's, you know, it's, it's so many different things. It's a whole world. That man. I, That's and it's, a whole I'm world. only just touching, like, just the, the, it's like an iceberg. I'm just on the tip of it. So, but I will say the liquor cabinet. Also, my steak, like, when we go out to eat. Special mm. used to be um, sawgrass. Now special, we looking for steak. Like we're going next week. Me and the wife going out for Valentine's Day. We're going to Morton's, but we're, Love we're looking for different steakhouses. And and those bills are not. Those bills are different. Um, 
They, they do. I still haven't to. had the Chop House like that experience that we had when we were in Chicago. Uh, was it Benny's Chop House? Fam, did I ever you tell said you? Closed, didn't you? I almost felt. Yeah, it changed. It's, I mean, the restaurant is black oh, owned okay. now. So, shout out to Kitchen and Cocktail. Oh, that's what's it? Um, oh, man. They, they everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah, they got one. In, oh, you know, yes, yeah, right. You know about my man. Yeah, my man. He he has one in Dallas. Yeah, kitchen and cocktails. That's what's where Benny's Chop House is. I forgot. Uh, he's in. Uh, he has one in Dallas too. It's the same okay. dude. Same dude. Yep. But yeah, mm-hmm. they gave you a, a warm the towel and stuff to wipe your hands before you eat. And that experience was. I still haven't had that um, to this day. To this day, and I. It was a good. I went right after you uh, said it though. It was um that was a uh, a dope little spot, but that bill hit different. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like uh, that will be. <laughs> and for those of y'all hating, hey, don't count my money. But at the same time, man, you. like that was the first time I had like the age the age beef, and I finally because every time I go to restaurants now, I ask for the wagyu, and a lot of times they out. I don't know if it's because I'm black. But I, you know, that'd be our first card to play. It'd be like, we are out of that. Is it because I'm black? Like, that's our, that's the easy card to pull out. I haven't pulled that one yet. But at the same time, no, I'm just saying in your head. You don't say that in real life. That's funny. But, no, I finally got some, and it, that, that shit hits different. Um, the Wagyu beef is not something you should indulge in all the time, but if you can, whoa, mama. But um, what would you say? What was your treat? So I, you know what? I kept searching and searching, and I I know what I want to do. Put it like this: um, the meal is definitely one from the twenties to the thirties, anyways, where you go, you know, instead of spending eighty ninety dollars on a meal, you know, we're gonna go. It can go five, six, mm-hmm. you know, depending on it. You know, what was the you most go. you ever spent on like, a meal? Because I had that conversation. On, or I didn't have a conversation. Um. But- Candidly, five hundred dollars. Hold on, what was it? Five, five, five bills. But um, <laughs> so this is when I got engaged. I was at the um, uh, the top of the world restaurant in Vegas, uh, and I got and I got the dinner with the experience and the picture package. So that probably well, no, I'm just talking about dinner, scales, drinks, food, three hundred, okay, about three hundred, three fifty. Yeah, if I knock it out about three three fifty, because even then, I always say the funniest part about that meal that I I didn't eat it. Ah, oh, you because you was angry. Yeah, two it was too full of emotions. But outside of that, which is I you know mentally because I'm cheap, I always remember that when they brought the bill there and I was so happy and I was like swipe and I was like. <laughs> but yeah, after that, probably three bills, three hundred. Yeah, and um. Yeah, we'll see because it might be, you know, at some point in time. There's a couple restaurants here. Uh, shout out to where my cousin works. Uh, it's a restaurant called Ever. Their plate is like five to six a plate. God damn, man. For an experience. And I'm just like, whoo. That's all I can say. Whoo. Five or six a plate. That's And then I heard people be leaving going to White Castle after. Ah, man. I'm like, oh, that must be art. That's art, art. Okay, but to answer your direct question, cologne. Ah. Shout out to Tez because I've had. I don't think I've ever spent over a hundred dollars for a bottle mm. of cologne ever in my life. I don't know, and I could be not. And I, when I say that, let me dial it back. 
I mean, for me personally, I've purchased perfume over that price, but I've personally never for myself ever gotten something that was that like super expensive. I remember when I, the first bottle of cologne I ever got that where I got it for a woman was Issey Miyake. Remember that back in the day? Because I heard some girls talk. I heard some girls talking. They was like, "Ooh, Issey Miyake, get these draws," and I was like, "Oh, I want to." I went to Macy's in Northland so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Give me Issey Miyake, the biggest bottle you." Can. <laughs> yeah, that was but that's the first time. But both looking because um, now I look at so much cologne. Now, like my whole sidebar and stuff, be like all the ads of cologne, and I didn't know they went. Um, like I knew the creeds and stuff, but I didn't know all the other niche. Um, what was it? Fragrance houses and how how they can they can just go go. So I'm like looking at stuff like I can buy a little bit, and I I sent that to y'all in the group chat yesterday. We can get a little decanter, and even I'm like Creed decanters, like it's a decanter set for like two hundred dollars, and they still the little bottles. Like it's just wild. Damn, I just yes, yeah, it's, it's um, I don't know. We'll, I mean, I'm gonna get there. Because I just want to be, I want to have like a couple, you know, and I'm sure uh, Tez will, uh, will she bring him on as a guest for Valentine's Day? Wait, <laughs> nah. is there one more, is there one more pod before well, Valentine's Day? Well, yeah, no, because Valentine's Day during the week, so it'll be. Okay, we should get him in here and be like, tell us about the best fragrances. Yeah, and then he can finally get uh, his. Because he helps you he with both. His, uh, he definitely helps you get some for Adrian. Maybe he can get, we can tell him get his yeah. channel started this week. So then when he get on the show, yeah. he can get 12 people to the his. pod uh, universe. YouTube. Is on and cracking, um, but yeah, that's something I definitely want to do. I'm not a drinker because I mean, for a lot of different reasons, I've been a diabetic most of my life, so I feel like my palate isn't where it needs to be to really enjoy liquor the way some people do, and I can't really get drunk like that, especially with in kidney failure. It doesn't really work. I mean, you can drink in kidney failure. A lot of people do. Trust me, it's just never been my jam. So I mean, I like they were talking about. Uh, uh, you know, there, you know, that beer swag where you know people get into those IPAs and understanding different yeah. levels to that. And I'm like, fam, you know, a corona gets me on my neck. I slump. So you're talking to the wrong person, Jack, when it comes to that. I mean, if you give me something, I'll appreciate it. And you'll be like, Yeah, let me taste it. Like you let me taste one of your top shelf boys, and it was good, but you could have tricked me and gave me oh, yeah. you know. Ben Shul's liquor. And I would have been like, well, that's enough of that. <laughs> so, um, you know. All right, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, close because out. I got to close out because I think I may be in this house by myself because I still hear my daughter crying. So, that being said, um, we have fun with this pot. Uh, we have fun. We had some serious things. Uh, we'll bring up some uh, stuff. We'll just push it to next week. Uh, as always, uh, we love Thank you and appreciate you guys for listening to the pod. Make sure you rate, like, and subscribe to uh, Irk and Jerk on your uh, on your whatever listening platform, as well as uh, Irk and Jerk Sports uh, in the pod universe where we talk uh, Detroit Lions and NFL football. We're gonna be getting back to that uh, uh, in a couple weeks. We are, yeah, we are currently in hiatus. Uh, look for us to pop back in sometime after uh, the Super Bowl is over, 
and uh, weaken, and the league uh, starts their year back up and refreshes, and that's when the uh, season starts new business. Um, that's enough of that for the sports people. You already knew that. Um, for the non-sports people, if you like listening to us just because you like us, please check it out. Uh, that being said, uh, uh, Vinny, it's your boy Irk, Irk and Jerk Sports. We out. Irk and Jerk Podcast. Podcast. Podcast.